This is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hello, Metro FM family. This is your brother Jonathan with DHL Ministries, Decisions, Habits, Lifestyle Ministries. And we're jumping into the word today with the time that God has blessed us with. So I hope that you've prepared your heart to receive the message from God as times grow more and more confusing and uh, rebellious against God as the earth itself and all of creation and nature cries out for Jesus to return. We are charged with an awakening as the body of believers. We're charged with waking up from even our slumber. Now I know that if you're a believer and you can see the non-believers and how they live and I pray that as you live it's distinctly different there's still an awakening that needs to take place for the body of believers many times we're seeing the word of God through our own reasoning through our own natural minds and we jump to conclusions and even prepare sermons and share things that are not what is being said in the word of God we're not encouraging people to grow in discipleship to understand the fundamentals of reading and studying and memorizing and meditating the Word of God. And therefore, we're not being directly connected to God. So when God sends what I call a Holy Ghost broadcast out to confirm His Word through our pastors in the churches, that we've been meditating on the Word throughout the week, that connectivity isn't happening. That transformation by renewing our mind is not happening and much of this is because we do not understand or give the proper value to who Jesus Christ is this is not a religion and Jesus came and he would express to those believers following him to have faith in God trust reliance dependence upon God he was cautioning them because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders who had been saturated in the law and in ceremonies and in processes that should have grew them closer in intimacy with God made a religion out of it. They jumped to their own conclusions, served their own flesh, and created a distinction amongst their religious leaders of royalty. It was a miss. It was a fig tree with leaves and no fruit. Well, God wants us to bear fruit from the moment of repentance because the, the fruit of repentance is to turn away from the things that we learn displease God, to acknowledge that we are in a sinful state as we are born in, and to turn from those wicked ways and turn unto God, the Father, through the sacrifice of God the Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of God the Holy Spirit. So, by preparing your heart to hear the message whenever the Word of God is preached, you will receive the connectivity of what Word you've placed in your heart. The Word that you've studied will come back to remembrance, and you will receive for yourself what I call the Holy Ghost broadcast, and that's when God is sending a message out to the body of believers, whoever has ears that hear, and also eyes that see, but 
most importantly, a heart willing to obey. They will receive the message from God and hear it confirmed through other believers and through devotionals and annual Bible reads and whatever you're doing. God will connect it in a distinct way. So today we're in the book of Mark, chapter 14. Please turn your Bible there, Mark 14. And I'll read this familiar section of scripture to you. Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 3. Lord, bless the reading and hearing and applying of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his, Jesus's head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do good or do them good. Ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelves, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad, and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Well, as we break this down, we will see different worths here. And the question and the title of this sharing today is, What is Jesus worth to you? What is Jesus worth to you? The woman gave the equivalent of 300 denarii, which in our terms today would have been a laboring man's wages for a year. Now we're talking about a common worker is wages for a year. Think about it. Come up with a number, 25, 35,000, whatever the case may be. She had saved this precious ointment. It was her form of a savings account, collecting and converting, turning it into this precious oil as we would gold these days, something that you feel could be exchanged regardless of what the common currency did or did not do. She turned it into something tangible, something that she could utilize and trade in a small amount or all at once. It was her savings and she gave it all. She gave it all and happened to use what it was to anoint Jesus and he is verifying that she was calling him the King of Kings and, and the Spirit of God was moving her to do something that should again have woken up the religious leaders or at least those that claim to have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart willing to obey. Now Judas Iscariot by contrast seeks a way 
to betray Jesus after he accepts the promissory note of 36 pieces of silver, equivalent of $21.60 today, it says in the Amplified for the version in Matthew 26, 15. So here we got a laboring man's wages for a year compared to $21.60. Extreme difference. Here we have a woman who had not sat at Jesus' feet this entire time, but yet placed herself there to anoint or to spend everything she had, equivalent of a year's wages, but it was most importantly all that she had to acknowledge him as the King of Kings and to do something that we would discover is acknowledging his death for sin. And we have Judas Iscariot who spent this time with him firsthand amongst the twelve. And yet the message did not penetrate. What is Jesus worth to you? How do you know him? Now, she knew him because she had served the living God. The scriptures were tangible to her. She did not allow religion to take her into mechanical belief. But somehow, some way, through genuinely seeking God, she got it. She had the eyes that see and the ears that hear and her heart willing to obey. And what she had put together as a savings mattered not. Not anything like having the privilege of being able to anoint this King of Kings. What is Jesus worth to you? Well, listen, you may not have heard or had examples and many people say these types of things and arguments about their belief in Jesus Christ or in conversations about those in the world who haven't heard Christ and what I would call the misapplication of the Great Commission. Go and make all, go, go and, hallelujah, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. We had misinterpreted, misapplied, and misrepresented that scripture to think we had to go. We had to go far. We had to go to the, the you know, people say, the, the tribe, the one tribe of people who've never heard of Christianity, and make sure they know before Jesus comes back, well, you're missing the Great Commission. You're missing the Great Commission. It was go and make disciples of all nations, not countries, but people, but people, people within your own city, different societal circles, different classes of people go and make disciples. Well, discipleship making is a six months to a year process and initiation. It's a very intimate one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two process of bringing people into the discipline, disciple, discipline of hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, praying the Word of God. In other words, into a an established, full-blown relationship with God. It is not conversion. It is not conversion with a tract. It is not conversion by TV. It is not conversion and then forcing a church membership and then guilting people into tithing. This is not it. That's merchandising. That's a business model approach. This is about relationship, not business. This is about relationship, not religion. In fact, no one's without excuse. Look at the book of Romans, chapter 1, starting at verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth 
in unrighteousness. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. What? Yes. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Look, the Amplified says, For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. All, 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 who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner conscience, consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world is invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made, meaning his handy works. So men as a whole are without excuse altogether without any defense or justification. When you read this, it should be a moment of woe. It should be a moment of pause and careful consideration. You see, we are not charged with sharing information with the nations. We are not charged with sharing information with the nations. And that's been how people have executed or uh, thought that they were fulfilling the Great Commission. You know, from airplanes dropping tracks and, and recorded devices of, of the basic gospel message. No, 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 family. Look, open your eyes that you can see. Open your ears that you can hear. Open your hearts unto obedience that the Lord would reveal these truths to you. All of mankind is without excuse. God has gone ahead of us and placed this in the hearts of men to know that there is a God, not a God of their imaginations, the one and only God. And it's their rebelliousness and rejection of him that causes them to come up with these other things. That's a fruit or proof or byproduct of their rebelliousness against the God they already know. The Great Commission is not to let them know because they already know. Family, the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations. Yes, share with them the gospel, the gospel truth of their destination of hell because of the sinful condition of mankind. That they cannot stand in front of a holy God in their sinful condition. They are despised by God in that condition. And the penalty of sin or missing the mark or being in a trajectory away from God from the day we're born is an eternal damnation and separation from God in a place called hell. 
yes, it's important to share that in that way, not word for word, but with the weight of reality of our sinful state, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none that's good. No, not one. But God, while we were yet sinners, sent Christ to die for us. He died for us. He paid the penalty for that sin, laid down his life willingly, suffered humiliation, suffered abuse, violence, even unto death on the cross. He died for our sin. And he demonstrated victory over death by rising from the grave on the third day and ascending unto the Father with witnesses and promising to come back for us. Listen, family, whether you think you know him or whether you think you don't know him, you do know him. He placed it in your heart. That's what your consciousness is about. That's what your conviction comes upon you. That's where guilt and shame come from when you know you're doing things that displease him. But there is a way. There's only one way. None comes to the Father except through the Son. We share this in sincerity. We know you know this and the conviction you feel should be from the Holy Spirit and not my words, but his truth. And admitting and knowing and owning that reality of your sinful condition is so important. So important. Believing, not intellectually, but trusting and relying and depending upon him with your life is vital. And confessing this to other people, cutting strings with those that have encouraged your behavior in the wrong direction before. And soliciting help from others who are in their word, in their relationship with God, is the part of confession. You know, martyrdom we picture as someone dying physically, but we all die. We all die a martyr's death in a sense. Whenever we mention the name above all names, Jesus Christ, whenever we say we're Christian, we make it nearly impossible to blend in with the world. We die. Our worldly self has to die every time we mention Jesus Christ in our personal relationship. That's why we confess him to other people. What is Jesus worth to you? What is he worth to you? Is he worth everything? Or is he worth your leftovers? Is he worth a small amount? I hope that by the end of this message, whether you knew him or before it, before or after, matters not, but that you would open your heart to receive him and lay down your life to serve him and get into your word. Not just when you hear this on Sunday, but each and every day. And that you're doing it in your homes, not just in the building, but you're doing it throughout the week. I pray this over. If you want to join the WhatsApp group, I'll send you the notes. The number for the WhatsApp group is 260-97-583-6324. The choice is yours. The phone number to call or text is 260-97-583-6324. We'll send you the notes and we'll send the link to this broadcast after it's aired. We pray that God draw you into serious discipleship, that you understand the Great Commission, and that you grow in your knowledge and in your commitment to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Amen.